ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, welcome to Tap Tuesday, brought to you by Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly elite products that provide all of the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what Tap delivers. This week, I sit down with Colt McDermott of Colt McDermott Studios. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with the one, the only, Mr. Colt McDermott. Colt, what's happening, man? Thanks for sitting down with me. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. Thanks again. Absolutely, man. Super excited for this episode. Uh, been wanting to do this since, uh, yeah, since we dropped that Western Contours logo, man, months ago. So, yeah, I appreciate the time. Uh, why don't you just take us into it, man? Give us an intro and some background and tell us about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks again for the opportunity to let me help you with the logo. It was a fun one to work with you on and, and connect. So that was awesome. I'm still excited about how it turned out. So, yeah, a little bit about myself. Uh, again, my name is Colt. Currently, I reside in Fontenelle, Iowa, which is a super rural town in southwest part of the state, uh, land of giant whitetail. So nice area to be in. I've actually been back here in Iowa for a year. Um, I was out in Colorado for three years. I lived in Basalt, uh, part of the Roaring Fork Valley. Got to do a lot of fly fishing. Just started picking up my elk hunting addiction out there. So I've uh, been back for about a year now, actually grew up in Fontenelle, so it's kind of neat to be home, be back in the community that, that I grew up in and am so accustomed to. Um, a little bit about kind of hunting and outdoor life and how that came about for me. Growing up in a rural community, a lot of people hunted and did outdoor activities. My family was no different. Anything helping on the farm with agricultural related things. Um, hiking, biking, literally anything outside, you name it. And I was involved. So just really picked that up. My family encouraged me to do anything like that outside. 
we traveled out to the West and did a lot of hiking and sightseeing and, and doing kind of different wildlife odds and ends. So I really, from a, just a really young age, was passionate about the outdoors, but didn't really necessarily pick up hunting. My grandfather and and father both hunted, but not really when I was young, and it was um, wasn't really their niche. So when my uncle showed me how to shoot a bow when I was about twelve or thirteen years old, I just couldn't put it down. Something about just the challenge that I saw getting face to face on the ground with an animal um, it was just something that it, it just hooked me. I couldn't, I couldn't give it up. So, um, still really thankful that I had that first opportunity to, to put a bow in my hand and, uh, excited to, to still be in the outdoors and a hunter today. So primarily a bow hunter, uh, I fish a lot. I do some of those other things, but I haven't really ever been much into gun hunting and that's definitely nothing, nothing against gun hunting at all. It's just never really been my thing. Archery's always been something that's interested me and that challenge and, and being so close um, has always been a passion. So that's just a little brief about kind of my hunting and, and outdoor life. Yeah, there's definitely something about archery, right? And I, and I have this conversation pretty frequently. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't know if it's misused, but that word intimacy, right? But that up close and personal um, challenge, can I beat this animal? at his own game, right? That primitive, it starts to sound so freaking cliche and I got a helicopter going crazy right now. Um, it is LA. But there, there is something in my head, just next level about, like you said, being ground level and having to close that distance, um, you know, primitive, what I, that draw with archery is something else. And I hunt both, right? Rifle. I don't, it doesn't matter to me, whatever extends the season. Um, that's mm -hmm. what I'm doing. But yeah, you're, you're hitting that on the head with the, uh, with the archery game, man. It's just, it's next level. Unreal. Yeah. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's just something where you kind of, like I get attached to something that I started. So when I started hunting, I did a little bit of trapping when I was young, but when I started hunting in the archery, equipment was the first thing in my hand. I think it's something that's just always going to stick with me is, is that initial uh, feel of the sport. So yeah, being on ground is just a whole nother story. So here in the Midwest, as you know, and you guys <laughs> talk about a lot on the show, it's either you're 25, 30 feet up or you're on ground and most people sit tree stands. So there, there's always those arguments. But for me, when I was really young, I didn't throw a bunch of money into my equipment or anything. It was like, I got a bow in my hand. I got like a layer of camouflage and I would go brush in just piles of logs and sticks and grass until I could kind of hide myself in that. And that, that was always a fun challenge too. And it's, and I've done it right. I mean that when I don't know that anyone hasn't set up that, you know, that ground blind man, you know, got the sticks and cut some branches and found that, that one little spot, man, cleared the, cleared the leaves off the ground and, sit for hours and sometimes it's to see nothing or, you know, that random doe and fawn, um, yeah. come in there, but you start talking about the tree stand, man. And, and, you know, we laugh about it. Um, how does that contrast with your, you know, your, your Western hunting or your elk addiction? You know, it's, 
that kind of leads to a whole nother subject. So just to give a little bit of a background on that. So I grew up, I grew up in Iowa. I was born and raised here. Um, I got used to whitetail hunting I, a little bit on the ground, mostly in the tree stand once I got into it more. And then when I went West, it's, it's a whole new ball game. So it's a really big learning curve for me, but it opened my eyes up to a lot of different conservation practices and just understanding the differences between public land here and public land there and just what that looks like. So that part, that part has been a really big learning curve for me. I've loved it, but I, you know, the minute I got on ground and it was just like constant chase across the mountainside, uh, it's a little bit difficult. I will say to sit in the tree for like six, eight, ten hours. Now when I got, I got used to just rolling across the mountainside and like this bugle doesn't work out, try to get on to the next and you're just chasing. And I, I love both. I mean, I, I came back this last year, um, took me a little bit of time to get my in-state regulation stuff set up again. I got a chance to go back out to Idaho, which kind of filled that void for me last season while I was getting used to tree stand hunting here. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a whole different, um, setup and approach to hunting. But I, I mean, I love both. So is there, is there, there has to be a spot and a spot and stock opportunity with those whitetail to a point. I mean, it may not be the way to go, right? Um, but there has to be that opportunity to maybe to fill that void. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I had a couple experiences this last fall where it just didn't seem like I had, I had put glass on a couple different animals and it, I just knew gut reaction was it's not going to work out if I sit here and wait, go get them. So it, it's <laughs> sun's, Yeah. I mean, sun's going down. I'm not going to wait any longer. And for me, like I don't, I don't have, I don't have the ability to go hunt a thousand acre section that I can manage and wait for a deer to get six years old and do all this. So a lot of times, I mean, you're just going to get after it. I, if I spook a deer, I spook a deer. It's part of the game. And yeah, if I've got something really nice on camera, I'll be a little bit timid, but that those first couple weeks of November when stuff's a little bit dumber than usual. I mean, if you can spot and stock and take advantage and get some glass on things, it, it works really well. The other thing here. I mean, where I'm at, it's big open ag land. So you're glass and terrace and different things where deer can hide that you might not assume. So it's not, it's not big forest woodland area. It's like cornfield, bean field, terrace edge. And you're just kind of like watching these drainage patterns and see what you can find on glass. And if the wind's right, I mean, I, I roll. So uh, you got me thinking now, man, um, one of the things that we don't talk about when we start talking, you know, East versus West, right. Easty, Westy, um, mm -hmm. you know, tree stand spot and stock or Western style hunting is how one lends itself to the other. Do you feel like your game improved that, that you can take, you know, portions of one into the other for benefit? Yeah, I think, I think so many things about hunting in general, you can pull from one to the other. So, I mean, the tree stand versus like if I'm spot and stocking, that might not relate as much, but I still, I'm still thinking about thermals. I'm still thinking about that wind dynamic. I'm still thinking about patterns and all those kind of basic premise hunting um, strategies, but not as much. If I start doing like on the ground spot and stock, then, oh yeah, 100%. It's yeah, you're, you're kind of playing visuals and thermals and, and the whole nine yards. They both have 
kind of that sixth sense. So you've, you've got to be on your game to get it done on the ground. So I, I think elk hunting, elk hunting's probably done a lot more for, for my whitetail than like my tree stand did for my elk hunting. So you're telling me that tree stand hunting isn't worth dick. <laughs> no, no. no I, I had to get my to jab in that. there, but I had to get my jab, man. You know, you know, we'll we'll put this to rest when we get you thirty feet up in a tree here in the Midwest in Iowa. You, you come on over. Yeah, freezing my butt off, wondering why I'm thirty feet up in a tree. <laughs> I'm. Uh, you know what? At I least, have to. I have to do it right because I got to shut myself up. Oh, you'll, I mean, if you just get a little bit of action, you're going to love it just like any other style hunting. So yeah, I, I just, we'll, we'll get you out here. I just do it, man, to poke fun. I love it all. I'm, I'm willing to experience every bit of it. It, uh, yeah, it, it has to, there has to be something to it to have so many guys so passionate about it. I mean, there's guys that are like, yeah, I've, you know, I, I don't have a desire to Western hunt. Um, then you have guys that, you know, have come Western hunting and, and say, you know what, I'm going back to my tree stand. That's, that's where it is for me. You know, I, I love the tree stand, but now that I've experienced Western hunting and just what that's like, I, I can't not go. I, I mean, I love it. Just getting out there. We're already prepping for Idaho this next fall and, and I'm set up on some elk and muley tags. Pretty pumped about that. So I, I mean, I've got to get multiple fixes now. I just kind of added to the addiction. <laughs> whether whether or not it's good or bad, I, I mean, it's it's a passion and and uh, the payoff is just being out in the field. It just does something for me. Well, I mean, a lot of that too, right? It, and in my head, and I'm not, you know, I'm not the tree stand guy, but the physical challenges is is something that I live for when you're out in that country um, chasing animals. And then the amount of country that you see on boot and things that you could not even imagine without that experience, right? Just, you know, you cover four miles, you're, you're seeing country that most people can only look at in a picture or, you know, dream of. In some instances, I don't know that, that you can even get a vision of something that beautiful, man. Sounds cliche as hell, but. No, but you, I mean, you're right. You just don't, whether you see it or not, like you just don't get that feeling. So when you're out there, like cresting that next ridge, looking over into that next valley, I mean, it's just, it's like the most powerful thing just comes over you and you're just out there, whether it's, it's with others or, or you're doing some spot and stuck stuff by yourself. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Quite honestly, you get lost in it. I mean, there's times where I'll be yeah. out, you know, and, and we'll know, Hey, there's deer right there. You start glassing or whatever it is, or you're making your approach and you just get stumped, man, by the, you know, here we go. Cliche again, by the beauty of it all, you know, where you just, you're, yeah. you're taken back, you just take it in. And it, that's, what's funny, right? When you, when you start talking to people that don't get it or people that don't hunt or have never done it, they, they don't understand it. They think we're just chasing animals. Um, and yeah, that is why we are out there, right? I'm not trying to say that that's not important. That is what we're out there for is to fill that tag. But yeah, it's all those call them, you know, side experiences, man, that just make it that much more powerful. Yeah. For me, it's just, that just refuels me. So every aspect of it, it's, it's what harvest or no harvest being out there, getting after it, having that kind of physical component in the West that you're trying to prep for basically all year round. I mean, the season gets done and it's just starting again in all reality. So 
that's a whole nother dynamic that you don't really have as much here in the Midwest. If you can't, if you can't hike like quarter of a mile, half mile into a tree stand, then <laughs> we've got to take a look at. So do you, do you hunt or do you set up multiple stands and can you leave them? Or is that, cause I've noticed talking to guys, um, some guys are saying, well, it's a county to county thing. You know, in this county, you could leave a stand in this county, you have to pull it down. How's that where you're at? Um, there are a few different regulations and somebody will correct me and that's great. But I would say, I, I do think it's a county to county thing. The, the bigger issue there is public land versus private land. So Iowa is one of the most private land states you can get. So BHA is doing a lot in our state. I think we just got a chapter within this last year. It's pushing a lot, just trying to understand the kind of public-private sector and, and making sure that we have public land in the future here in our state. So um, a lot of times in the public land, I believe you can only hang, and this is kind of different regulation, but you can only hang, um, you can't do hang-on, so you can only do like a ladder stance. You're not allowed to drill into trees and do things, just different hook setups and stuff like that. So you can do like tree stand steps and some of those odds and ends, but there's a lot of regulation, I think, that's kind of turning over and changing right now. So I wouldn't say I'm the, the best resource for that. Yeah, are, are any of us with as much as this stuff is changing, man? I know. the big One of the biggest things in, in Iowa, I would say that we need a little bit better kind of verbiage on right now is, is baiting laws. So in terms of whitetail, there are quite a few states that do a good job of saying exactly what it is that they consider baiting. And then there are states like Iowa where we kind of have this borderline judgment call. Um, so I actually have a call in because I want to make sure I'm up on rules over just being gone the last few years. So I have a call into our local DNR. So that's department of natural resources in our state. So that'd be like fishing game or anybody else in other states. Um, but it, there's just kind of this fine line of, if you don't have bait out during the season, is that okay? If it's too close to a tree stand or something that you're going to hunt, is that okay? So there's a lot of that rule that's that's uh, it's kind of open in, in uh, the perception behind it. People are a little bit paranoid, so they just want to make sure that they, they get it right and they're doing things by the book, myself included. Yeah, better to be paranoid than be wrong. That's for dang sure. Oh, absolutely. And I, I love talking to the DNR and just trying to get a sense of, of what's going on and, and kind of in their world. So it's, it's good to put yourself in their shoes too. So uh, the public-private thing, man. You since you brought that up, what? How does that work there? Are you? I mean, is it is it so private that you have pieces of land locked, or is it uh, trespass or walkthrough things like that, or you have to go, you know, pound the ground and find find huntable land? You know, a lot of it anymore. You get on on X, you get on some of these other maps, you can find some some decent pieces. To hunt a lot of Iowa's public lands, or I guess I should say a bulk of Iowa's public lands are both on the east and western sides because they're covering some of those larger rivers that run through. So some of the central areas that you're hunting, there's not there's a lot of pressure to smaller area, and that's just because we have so much private private agricultural land for you. So for me, my family has um, I would say somewhere between three and four hundred acres, but it's primarily agricultural land so it's big open space so you can hunt it it is it is the challenge of the bow but i love it um but then i do a lot of door knocking quite frankly i mean i still i still put boots on the ground i'm looking at maps to see who owns what who rents what because there's kind of that dynamic too here in the state 
And I'm just trying to talk to people to see if they would be open to, to different individuals hunting or if we can spark some kind of agreement where I help you, you help me and get into that land or um, some different strategies like that. But for me, I mean, I still just this, I think a month ago, I finally called, I finally figured out who owned a piece about 180 section um, that I've been wanting to hunt for the last few years. It's adjacent to a, a piece of ground that I have permission on. And I got a yes to be able to hunt that. So I'm pretty excited about, about that opportunity and thankful that, that he's willing to let me get out there and, and, uh, do a little bit of hunting. So there's a lot of dynamics there. You just kind of, kind of, uh, I guess you gotta, you go to work. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, just you gotta a different get level of work. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of that, it's that early season prep. And then really it's just kind of relationship building too. You're just trying to understand who's around, who does what, who hunts what. And then a lot of times if I know people hunt, uh, it's small town around here. So if I hunt in Southwest Iowa, I'm trying to understand who hunts what, where, just so I'm not stepping on toes either. I mess somebody else up in the process. So you're, you're just trying to be a good steward, if you will. And that dude, that right there is pretty important, right? Because we hear that all the time, um, with, you know, out here in the West, you know, with public land is guys are going out there and getting in pissing matches on the mountain, you know, cause a guy has hunted this area for this long, or he scouted this area, or he has a, you know, a blind set up and, um, kind of stake and claim to, uh, yeah. you know, to that spot, which I, I get it, right. A guy puts in that energy and effort, but we got to understand that it's public land, right? You're going to come across people. Um, but the fact that you are going out of your way to make sure you're not interfering, man, interfering with someone's area, I, that's a big deal, man. I think if we all had that level of respect for each other, we would be a lot better off as a community. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the key word to me. It's community. I mean, we're all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to explore different passions. We're all at different levels. I mean, everybody's been doing this for a different amount of years or has dis- different experience. We got to pull from each other and just kind of take that as a learning curve and, and respect one another when we're out in the field. So yeah, to me, it's, again, it just goes back to community. Yeah, man. So going back to the public private, uh, BHA, you brought that up. So one of the things that I saw when I said, Hey, I want Colt to do my art for my podcast, my logo. Um, one of the things that's important to me is to work with and align myself with like-minded people. Um, so I usually hold it for the end, but because conservation is a big part of what you're trying to do and it's important to you, I'd like to get on that topic now. And so why don't you give us some background and, and kind of take us into Colt McDermott studios and, and how you're hoping to affect, um, how you see that conservation effort. Yeah, absolutely. So to me, this kind of goes back to the transition from Iowa to Colorado and then Colorado back. So in that I was able to experience kind of your Midwest and more Eastern style hunting and your Western style hunting. And there, there are just a lot of differences there and it's good to explore both. And for, um, personally, when I came out West, it was just, it was a lot of learning curve and I really appreciated, um, that new experience. And it's something that I'll always go back to and be passionate about now. So conservation, I had a really big learning curve in those transitions. So that was a really big growth for me. So when I start to break it down, there are so many things 
centered in conservation. So when I started thinking about this and I want to learn more, I'm really early on in the process of learning. There's so many opportunities to learn. So what I've been trying to do is just kind of break it down. And to me, it breaks down into kind of three primary areas. It's people, it's wildlife, and it's land. So when you start to understand that kind of the tension between those three and understand that we've got to have this kind of balancing act, it, it really helps kind of clear the waters as to what I want to do. So I want to help storytell to people. So for me as a hunter, most of my storytelling, I really want to be revolved around the outdoorsman and hunting. In terms of wildlife, it's helping people understand how we manage game and what we're doing for wildlife so that numbers are right. And it's not, a lot of people get kind of misconstrued when they think about nat, what natural is. Well, why don't we let the species do it themselves? Why don't we let that evolution take place? But they don't understand what exactly that means. So we, as people, can really help manage that. And I think we do a really good job um, of regulating that. And, and we have a lot of different groups that help that. So it's BHA, it's Wild Turkey Federation, it's all these different groups putting in hours, both in the field, out of the field, doing research, um, so many of those facets too. So there's so many different aspects you can dive into in conservation. So I think it's really just trying to understand collectively what conservation means to you and be able to explain it to other people so that we can continue to push this forward as a community. So how does that tie into your illustrations, your artwork? Yeah, that's a good question. So when I first got kind of started as an artist, I mean, I guess way back when, when I was just a kid, I, I had a passion for animals, wildlife, and land. And I just kind of had this, um, I don't even know what to call it, just just this endless curiosity of wildlife. So when I started doing more wildlife illustration stuff after I started hunting, a lot of it was geared around um, conservation efforts and just trying to figure out what what I could do to help, as, as minimal as it may be, what kind of small ripple can I make with art in alignment with conservation and wildlife that could make a difference. So a lot of the illustrations that I do, I try to try to help people that are conservation minded and like-minded and individuals that, that have a passion for that. And either if they're connected to some of these other organizations or not, or they're doing things personally that will help push wildlife conservation, then I'm in. So really the, the goal behind Colt McDermott Studios is to push conservation and have that at the core and just kind of use creativity as a, um, a mechanism to help that and support that. So I don't know how or why this popped in my head with it uh, or why it made it pop in my head, but uh, I'm trying to find it right now, man. I, this Sportsman's Alliance, you had said something that just kind of jarred it. Sportsman's yeah. Alliance um, did this thing, man. And right. I feel like I say stuff and it sounds cliche. You start talking about conservation and there's so, there's so many avenues and ways to look at it. I mean, yeah, we have the definition of conservation, right? Um, but there's absolutely, all, maybe there's all these ways that we could affect it differently. And, and I don't know, like I said, I don't know why this popped up, but it, it just made me, it made me think about it when you said it. So I'm gonna just read it. Right. Um, I'm a proud, I'm yeah. proud to be a hunter. It is who I am to my core. And for this, I will not apologize. I'm honored and humbled to represent a long lineage of hunters that have existed as long as mankind itself. For thousands of years, we have hunted to sustain our existence, to provide for others. 
This privilege has created a primal connection to the natural world that few people can relate to. It is a hunter's responsibility to create an open dialogue that generates understanding, cultivates acceptance, and reaffirms respect for the hunting culture. Um, and I'm not sure why. Man, that, that gives me chills. Yeah. And that's that's just here. I'll finish it then. Um, it is an honor to be a hunter. I embrace this and accept my responsibility to convey the myriad of positive attributes hunting provides for wildlife, wild places, conservation, and society as a whole. I will articulate hunting's ability to nurture the mind, body, and soul. I will convey these attributes, respect the quarry, the traditions, and the spirituality hunting provides. As hunters, we control the density, or excuse me, destiny of how hunting lifestyle is perceived. Dude, it gave me the chills on that paragraph. So, oh man, I'm not sure what you said that triggered the thought to go back to that. Um, but that has to be, at least in my head, when I talk to guys like you and, and, you know, we've been dealing with each other on and off since what December at this point. Um, yeah. there's a certain amount or, you know, of, of folks that I talk to and I read this and it's those people that come to my head. And, and I think when you were saying, you know, like-minded people, um, yeah, I don't know what triggered that man, but I saw that I got an email from sportsman's Alliance. It's, it's a pledge that they have that they have folks signing up for. Um, but that I, I love that. I'll have to look into that more. Yeah. I, I don't think I've heard of them yet. So that's yeah. cool. That they've been around for yeah, quite some time too. I mean, they're doing, you know, they they have some and, and we don't all agree with every one of them. Um yeah. you know, and their views on everything, but they really have some uh some good stuff that they're working on, man. But I when you said that, like I said, it it just clicked that and I was like, Oh man, that why it reminded me of that. I don't know. But that's a powerful a powerful couple of paragraphs when you talk about, you know, how we as hunters represent um, the face of hunting and, and what we could do um, good or bad on that side of things, especially when you look at this freaking social media realm. Oh my gosh. And what, I mean, what sticks with me from what I just heard both from you and from that passage was a representation and a conveyance so those are those are kind of twofold. So you've got one that's you're representing it as yourself, and then the second part of that's communicating it to others. So I think we all have to be open minded. I, personally, I'm I'm a listen three times, try to speak once, and just make sure I'm hearing all sides of the story. And there are so many people that are quick to conclusions, and we all just need to make sure that we understand where these different people kind of where their perception is and their understanding of it is so that we can help convey our true message. And I think a lot of that sometimes is just being able to take the time and listen to somebody and not just say, no, this isn't what we do. This isn't how we do it. And just disagree. It's really about taking that extra few minutes to say, no, I'm an outdoorsman because of X, Y, and Z. And I think it's good for what we do and for wildlife and for all these different things because of these factors. And I, I, yeah, that's, that's so critical And social media has such a big platform that even kind of the smallest step gets ridiculed, which sucks. But at the same time, we just need to take this opportunity to kind of expand and, and help communicate our ideals. I mean, on the social media thing again, I mean, you know, you post that grip and grin. I, and I don't know how many people actually read the text under the post, right under the picture. Yeah. Um, so when you're posting that stuff, you know, and people are, you know, 
I'm gonna just say it up in arms for lack of a better phrase, right? Not everybody gets their their hairs raised about it. Um, yeah, it the explanation of the management aspect of it and the tradition aspect of it and that life experience, spiritual aspect of it, um, it, it kind of goes unspoken um, when you first when you see those pictures if you don't know. Well, and, and people seem the it's the harvest. Like that's all they see. The the very and it's it's not the last time because you got to. I mean, out in elk country, you got a serious pack out coming ahead of you typically. But it, they're they're seeing kind of that result when they're not seeing how many years you put into hunting, what you've done to help conserve that animal that you harvested and respect. They just don't see that full story. So I think that's something that we all need to make sure we're kind of presenting this this holistic view of what it is and not just that final picture, because personally I'm okay with a grip and grin to a certain extent. I mean, if that animal's cleaned up and it's represented in a way that's, that's kind of characterizes it in our eyes in a positive light, I'm great with a grip and grin. It's, it's, you worked really hard to harvest that animal. You have a lot of respect as, as most of us do for that, that animal and what it took to harvest it. So I don't know. That's the hunter's crescendo, man. Right there, <laughs> you don't have. Yeah, the, if yeah. you don't have the grip and grin, did it really happen? You know, I mean, that's, <laughs> it's one of those things, right? That that is the culmination of it. Um, but like you said, you know, a respectful shot of that animal, right? Clean up as much as you can. Just you know, make it look like it. You know, the best you can. And Absolutely. People give me shit for saying you know respected. They're gonna say, oh, I respect the animal. But you know what I mean. Put the put the tongue in. It's perception. Put the tongue in if you clean the blood up or not show the blood or the bullet hole. You know, that just yep. goes a lot farther. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't say it any better. So cool, man. I just wanted to jump on that. I knew that uh, that's an important topic for you. So um, so let's get into uh, Colt McDermott Studios, man. So like I said, you know, when I decided to do this and decided uh, trying to tackle Adobe Illustrator, uh, was not my strong suit, man. I had some ideas and, uh, yeah, you were, uh, you were my go-to, bud. So how is, uh, how's Colt McDermott Studios treating you? And let's talk about, uh, where you're going with that and the resume. And I mean, you've got some, you've got some pretty good names under the belt at this point, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I, just to step back, I, I appreciate the opportunity to work with you on on your logo, and I'm so glad we got connected. When you first reached out, I, I was at a point where I didn't know if I could fit certain things in, and we talked over the phone. And to me, it just the way you spoke so passionately about what you're trying to do and, and the ideas behind it and what you're trying to push, like it just doesn't get any better. I couldn't say no. So we got off that phone call, and I went inside and like, three in the morning, I think that night. And I woke up and was like, I'm just going to go draw on this for a little while. I'm going to see what I can, what I can pump out. I think I sent you something like a day later, but I, I was just excited to, to work with you and was excited about what you were trying to push. So thanks again for that. I appreciate it. Oh, me too. Man. Um, TM Studios is good. It's, uh, I've taken a little bit of time this last month and kind of reprioritized some things with family and, uh, everything else going on back home. So I haven't pushed as much content lately as I'd like to. I, I like to try to keep kind of an even flow to just let people in on what's going on and uh, kind of what I'm working on and what I'm hoping to build. So hopefully here in the next few months, I'll 
I'll really push more and try to show people some of the work that's being done. The other challenge that that is there too is um, if I work for certain companies or this or that, a lot of people want to want to push that out on their own platform and, and kind of hold that off until they'd like to reveal it. So I try to be as, as open as I can that way and let people um, show it when they want to. So yeah, but Cold McDermott Studios kind of started, like I mentioned a little bit before, with just this kind of overlapping of my passions for hunting the outdoors and conservation and art. So I started doing some, I guess way back when, when I was just a, a young kid, I was always trying to sketch and really I was trying to be as good at drawing and artwork as my dad was. He was always kind of my uh, guidance and influence in art and taught me about everything that I know there is to, to know about art. So I owe a lot of that to him and, and I appreciate the time he spent with me on, on that and teaching me the way. So forever thankful for that. Um, trying to keep together right now, you know, you know how it is. Um, but yeah, so in my profession, I get to do a lot with kind of land conservation and helping with public parks, but I wasn't doing as much in terms of the wildlife and just kind of the creative mindset of hunting in the outdoors. So every night I'd end up coming home and drawing something that was related to hunting in the outdoors. And it came to a point where I just decided I would push it out in the platform and just kind of see what stuck as a way just to, to push me to draw every day and to try to get better as an artist and to do something that I love. It's something that I thought about every day. I wake up thinking about it. I go to night, go to sleep thinking about it. Of what's the next project? How can I push this in a different way? How can I use this color differently? Um, and it's just something that, that I've always enjoyed. So as of the last, probably about a year or so since I made um, an Instagram page, and it just kind of took off from there. I would do a sketch here or there and just try to show people different techniques that I was using. And, and I'm hoping to do that a lot more. Um, that's the thing I think I'm lacking a lot right now. I really want to provide value to other people that are wanting to do artwork or related to hunting. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out better ways to provide value through the page. So if anybody has any ideas, shoot me a message. Let me know what you want to hear, what you'd like to learn more about. I'm really open to it. I'll try to message back i basically hit everybody the message and i try to get back to you so let me know what love what your thoughts are but generally just the idea behind the page for me is to to push artwork and illustration in a form that can help promote conservation whether that's youth in the outdoors whether that's some of these organizations that are doing a lot for public lands you name it if it's conservation related i'm in I'm I'm looking right now, right? Because I keeping up with with some of the art is just there. There's some do that that blow my mind. You have the pheasant that you did. I want to say that was in January. I'm trying to find it. Um, dang, was it that long ago? What? No, that's not it. We weren't even really talking then. It was like, where's that pheasant? You did a pheasant, man, and that thing was just. Oh, it's the one that's in your new in the logo in the rebranding. That thing is just. Oh yeah, ridiculous, dude the the detail and and then so you do most of your art on like an ipad pro or a tablet of some sort correct you nailed it it's an ipad pro so most folks don't know what it takes to do that right i mean it is 
I can't even say it. it's a phenomenal skill, man. Like I said, when I first started, uh, you know, I had some ideas and I said, okay, I'm going to go. I had my iPad. I went and bought, you know, the damn pins and I had, you know, Adobe X, Y, and Z, man. And it is just <laughs> unbelievably hard to get into those layers and do all that. But you, you do this stuff and it's like, how in the hell did you not do that with you know a pencil a pen you know brush strokes it, it's just phenomenal dude it, it trips me out some of them i look back on like my favorite one has to be well there's two of them right it's the moose deadhead um the half well it's probably like two-thirds of moose deadhead and then that uh that full curl deadhead i think those are my two favorites um just freaking phenomenal that yeah i don't know i appreciate that thank you that moose is stupid so the moose is actually i think that's your first post yeah that's the first post i i i'm suggesting everybody go open up as you're listening if unless you're driving open up to uh colt mcdermott studios and check out that february february 21st 2018 post that thing is dumb um yeah the way you capture stuff man and the detail um, even with the black and white stuff, um, and I, can you call it black and white on the pad? Like, you know what I mean? It, I don't know, man. Yeah. It, it's always, it, it always just impresses the heck out of me. The lines that you use, like that full curl, the lines on those horns are just, the detail is just remarkable. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. No, the moose, that's funny that you bring up the moose. That's probably one of my favorites. And the reason that that's my favorite is, I think moose is probably the number one bucket list hunt for me, archery wise. So that moose came from me. I think I watched a few videos of some moose hunts. It was like, okay, I can't go moose hunting tomorrow. So I'm going to try to just embrace this (laughs) and sketch this moose out and just try to get it out of my mind. Did it work? No. That moose (laughs) did not leave my mind. (laughs) I mean, you can't beat being in a field, but no, that, that was a fun one. It's, no, I, I can, you nailed it with iPad Pro though. I use an iPad Pro with an Apple Pencil. Um, I've always, during school, I learned a lot about the Adobe Suite, just learning the different programs. So Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, you name it. So some of those programs to do graphic design, art, and um, different illustration stuff. So when I picked up an iPad Pro, they have like a, a simpler version of like the large version Adobe. So I think they're called like Adobe Draw and Adobe Sketch. And there are quite a few people now doing more of that digitally. And the the benefit to doing this digitally, uh, typically, traditionally, what you'd do is you'd have like like 50 layers of trace paper and you'd be like trying to overlay these things and do different odds and ends. Whereas the digital, you can layer so well and you can manage all those layers and you can edit. So a lot of times when I'm working through a drawing and I'm not comfortable with a portion of it, I'll just recapture that layer and kind of edit and manipulate as I'm moving through the drawing. So if I don't necessarily like something, it's not like start or just dead in the water. Yeah. You don't have to restart. So that's, I mean, that's the beauty of it. So, I mean, I've had drawings where I've tried to post like quick time lapses. I like to show people like what that process is and kind of building up the line work in a way that people can kind of understand where my mind's at working through. And I've had a few of them, especially as of recent. And I think they were all bird related. It just, it just wouldn't come together. Right. So I tried to get like the time lapse to work and I was like, 
these people are going to be so confused. Like, why is he erasing everything over and over and over? But it's a, it's a really great way to kind of iterate and, and develop the process when you're working through. So I, the digital programs are a lot of fun. Yeah. It's cool. It to definitely watch. does. Oh, sorry, man. Oh no, go ahead. I was going to say, it's cool to watch the time-lapse too. Like you had the Turkey time-lapse some time ago. Um, and going through that turkey and watching, you know, things like you said pop up and disappear, and you know, you're sitting there in the grass. It, it's just, yeah, it's a trip. And not knowing, I guess, not knowing as much as you, or not near as much as you about it. It, it's just, it sounds stupid, but it's something magical about watching it come to life. That's really how I feel when I'm looking at it. It's just a, it, it's bitching to get that little snapshot of that process. Yeah, and I'm hoping in this next year, one of my goals really, again, is just to show more of the process, like what it what it takes, where my mind's at, trying to develop colors and textures and just and make that drawing kind of come to life. You're not always just trying to replicate realistic. You're kind of picking and pulling from different components of the animal or the landscape and, and manipulating those in a way that reads. So like if you were to do an oil painting, kind of your depth of field, whatever you're focusing on, that's like your heavy detail. And as you work your way back, you're kind of losing that detail like your eye would if you were looking at it. So I try to think of things a lot of times in terms of just kind of basic painting techniques. I I don't know. I'll, I'll keep, <laughs> I'll keep going on and your head's going to be huge by the time we get off of here. So talk, uh, <laughs> Talk the recent. No, I've got a long way to go. <laughs> talk the recent resume, man, a little bit, because you've done. I mean, I don't even. You know, I think uh, the most recent one that I remember is the Alp, Alpine uh, Vislas. Um, you did yeah. theirs. Theirs is amazing logo. Um, yeah, talk resume a little bit. Who have you done work for? And yeah, so I mean, kind of jumping in on that, I'm just gonna kind of spitball some different odds and ends. Um, I mean, obviously my best client was Western Contours. But ah, there you go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love that. That was that was a fun one to do. Again, I just I was so excited to be able to do that and, and work with you on that. So that was fun. Um, after some of that early on, I worked with, and I'm still working with Next Ridge. Um, they're in your neck of the woods, I think, right? Yeah, they're, uh, I think they're Colorado. They're North. Okay, they're, yeah. I think they're northern northern Cali right now, and oh, I think they? they're transitioning to potentially um, another state here soon. So we'll see. Oh, I but didn't yeah, know so that. I'm, I'm working with them. Yeah, and I'm not. I won't drop any more. I'll, I'll let them do. I think they have, but just in case. No, they're they're great people. I love working with them. They have a lot of great values. I really just appreciate our workflow and and getting the opportunity. So they've been a fun one. The Ram School that you mentioned before they've got some apparel with that ram skull on it mm -hmm, the right now so tea. that was one yes absolutely so um and that kind of brings up another point i've been trying to do a lot with with folks that are interested in in giving back to conservation so um i've been looking a lot into the two percent for for conservation that um has been it's really new to me i i think i heard about it on your podcast and looked it up and it's super intriguing i think it's um, one percent uh, money based, and then one percent time based per organization. So I'm kind of doing my research, and I'm hoping to to tap into that and um, be a part of that in the future. So um, that was something that 
I teamed with NextRidge on and giving a percent back to different conservation efforts. So typically what they've done in the past is they'll pick an organization like the Bighorn Sheep Foundation or something like that, and they'll give X percent of the money gained from that piece of apparel back to that organization, which, I mean, that re- represents what I want to do. I mean, I know for me, I can't, I can't use that money towards conservation in a better way than giving it to those, those companies any way that's possible. I know they're doing great work. They have so many great projects. So it's exciting to see other people that are interested in that and value that. So next bridge is, is they're really great people and I'm excited to work with them more in the future. Um, the last one that you brought up Alpine and was, that was um, a dog breeder uh, in, I'm going to mess this up. I think they're in South Dakota. Um, that was a really fun one. Just really wanted to incorporate some uh, photography of their actual dogs. And so we used photos of their dogs to create that logo. And it was really open. They they saw work previously and, and basically just said, go, go for, for it. it. Yep, that's so I shot easy. them back some quick sketches. Yeah. So a lot of times the process that I like to go through is I'll just do a couple of really quick, loose, like, like really rough drawings just to get people an idea of like composition and texture and like what that visual kind of focal point is. And then we'll work from there and just kind of figure out what it is that they like, what it is they don't like, and just kind of mold it to, to their vision. At the end of the day, I want people to be happy and be proud of their work. And I just want to provide value in the best way that I can. So that was a really fun one. Um, I've been working with hooked and tagged. So they do, a lot of like hats and apparel design. They're based in Illinois. And I think everybody will be seeing a lot more of their stuff here soon. They just got into Shields and a few other big stores. So um, they're, they're good friends of mine already, which is awesome. I mean, I just, I love meeting new people. That's been probably the best part of doing this work is just finding like-minded people. I mean, I've got so many friends just based on like social media connections um it's unreal so I, I really i really value that let's see i'm looking here you got uh quest hunt co that one the quest one is is freaking cool man um the musculature on both the buck and doe is just crazy yeah i wish i had that kind of vision right i mean that that is yeah i don't know how you do it dude <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's a learning process. I mean, I, I'm still molding a lot of what I do. So I get inspiration from a lot of different places. I try to take as much of my own reference photography as I can. And that's another thing I'm, I'm hoping to build more of this next year. Um, anytime I'm out, people ask me and tell me that I'm chasing tail in reverence to going and trying to catch like imagery of white tail and different odds and ends, which is pretty funny. Um, but anytime I can, I can just kind of build upon that fun. So for me, it's, it's just a constant learning process and kind of adjusting how I sketch and just learning from, from each project. So yeah, that was a fun one. They're, they're a great group of folks. They have a whitetail tournament here. I believe they're in six states now. So this fall, I think is their second year. I met them at the Iowa deer classic, just talked hunting and conservation and and they're really great people so it's fun to kind of work with them and i think we'll do a few more designs here hopefully in the next few weeks so uh, so logos logos in the branding let's kind of get into that right because every i I shouldn't say everybody that sounds like you know 
I don't know, like I'm above it. Um, yeah. That's a big deal, right? We got, we have people that are, that, how do I say that? <laughs> we're, we're trying to build something, right? And, and we're looking at getting going, getting off the ground and logos and branding. It's a big deal, right? That, that first visual reference, like this is the brand. What are some of the, do you suggest anything when people are coming, right? For me, it was like, you know, elk, since I started chasing them, that that's pretty much all I freaking think about, man. Um, so I had conceptually, I think I did a good job when I came to you. I already had an idea of what I wanted to do. Um, is that best when coming to you? How, how does that process go when, when folks are just getting off the ground with that, with that logo and that branding? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and I'm, I'm still kind of trying to develop what that looks like specifically, but I would say for me, like if this is something that an individual is passionate about, most people have a, a pretty good idea generally of like the topic, kind of the subject matter of what they want. Um, a lot of times I'll ask for kind of overall composition. So is this something that you have kind of a shape vision. Is this something that you want hard-lined? Um, and when I say that, I mean like the edge of it. You want things to break edges. Um, and it comes, really what you want to do and what I try to do is, is I start with the end in mind. So what are you going to put this on? Is it social media platforms? Is it, how large is it going to be? How much detail do you want? Um, and then even down to, do you want three different um uh, levels of detail so that you can use it for different platforms. But when you have it shrunk down, like on your image icon on Instagram, is it going to read well? So it's just trying to understand what that vision and goal is. But once you do that and just kind of break down uh, black and white color, level of detail, some of that, just trying to understand what their goal is. And I, I do think it's best if somebody can come to me and say, here are kind of like five bullet points of what I'm looking for. And this, I like to ask people what they want their logo and branding to say about them because it's, it's about kind of storytelling. And that's something I've been following a, a bunch of photographers and take a lot of inspiration from photographers. And I, there's so many in the outdoor industry specifically that do, I mean, just incredible work at storytelling. And that's something um, that I want to keep growing in and just hoping that I can help people storytell for their, their dream. So just, yeah, there, there are a lot of different aspects that you can kind of break down and, and work through, but really it's about what you want that logo and branding to say. I think the other, real quick, not to talk so much, but no, go for I think it, the other big thing, the other big thing not to, or the other big thing to think through is if you're doing something and you're really at the early stages and you don't want to be, I don't think you want to be too niche. So you don't want to get to this point where you go all the way in depth and then you step back and say, two years down the road when you develop this thing and say, you know, I, I kind of want to step back just a little bit. Sometimes with branding, that can be hard. Um, so it's finding that right balance between too focused and too kind of open-minded in that regard as well. Right. Uh, so, and I think we're on the same page. So being too focused, right. Or, or, or being too specific, you kind of, close the door on yourself. Right. And I kind of considered that with mine. Yeah. Um, you know, having just the elk antler, um, initially when I was, when I was throwing it around, it was like, okay, do I go with, you know, all of the 
big game Western species around the compass. Um, but then I'm, you know, I'm, as I am trying to figure out illustrator and working on the iPad and I'm doing that, what I would do is I would say, okay, let me, before I try and sketch this or draw it, I don't even know if I can call it that, you know, comparatively to what you do. Um, I would just cut and paste and kind of put it around the compass. And I'm like, man, that looks so freaking busy, man. Um, but for me going back to it, it feels, I feel like it kind of, it, it kind of, uh, kills your demographic a little bit, if you will. Right. Cause you're trying to grab as many people as you can, or get as many people as you can, you know, looking at it and understanding that story. Um, I think it kind of hurts us when we, you know, when it's just the mule deer or just the elk or, you know, just a ram horn. Is is that where you were going with that? So it's having a broader audience yeah. to it when you when you open that a little open minded to it. Yeah, absolutely. You nailed it. So it's it's just you're kind of playing that balancing act because if you don't if you're like way out ten thousand foot and you're not telling people about what you're trying to do then you're also kind of missing the boat. So it's really finding that midpoint of like, this is where I want to be. This is what I think it looks like 10 years down the road and just trying to understand what that goal is in, in the end. I mean, you're asking a lot, right? Cause I didn't think 10 years down the road. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the horn topic, right? So, so what's your opinion on that, right? As the guy that's throwing this art down, um, Cause you hear a lot, oh, everything has horns. And that was one of the, again, going back to mine. Cause that's the only thing that I can really, you know, reference off of. I was a little reluctant to have horns on it initially. Cause I didn't want to, you know, put myself, you know, pay myself into a corner with it. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's such a tough, it's such, it's such a tough uh, line to kind of follow because like you said, I'm having a hard time even thinking through like how I would, how I would talk about it because you want it to represent what you want it to. And like for a lot of wildlife, one of the, the easiest characteristics to quickly understand what that is that you're talking about is the antler. So it's, you don't want to shy away from it, but at the same time, like a lot of people have gotten to the point where they're using it in some form. I think it's kind of just breaking it down and, and maybe using it in a different way. Yeah, that's a that's a tough, that's a tough question. Yeah, that was. I mean, it's a hard decision, right? Because, like you said, I mean, that is the reference when we when we start looking at these things, right? Oh, you see a you see a horn, you know, you know what what it is. It it might be you know the elk, like on mine, um, the uh, hunt quest. There's you know they have the white tail. Right. So it's just identifiable right, right away. And I don't know that, I guess part yeah. of it for me was like, okay, does that make it any less creative? Right. Because there is a, we're, we may not be drawing it. We're giving it to you to draw or illustrate, but there is that creative juice that's flowing going, okay, this is what, I, this is my vision of it. Right. This is, this is what I want. And I, it, for me, it was like, okay, to a point, yeah, it might, it might, paint me into this little corner, but that's how I see it. That's exactly what I want right there. And I, it was just like, okay, I'm going to go for it. And, and mine, I got to tell you, man, I haven't seen many that are better. <laughs> I'm biased as hell, but I, I, my, uh, to I'm, me, mine's perfect. I'm so happy to hear that you think that. <clears throat> I think mine is perfect, dude, because it, it doesn't, it does what I wanted it to do, right? It represents what I'm passionate about, right? And, 
yeah, it's it to me, I look at it and I go, oh, okay, yeah, totally understand the Western contours with, you know, with the compass, with the elk, with the contour lines. Um, it was, it's, it's like a no brainer, but again, I'm biased as all hell, man. It just, uh, yeah, I love the way it stands out to me. And I love, I love your idea of the compass. So when you start to like put those things together, it has between that and the topo and the antlers, it, that starts to storytell. So it's not one thing. It's kind of this collective oh, right. of objects building those up. And that's, those are some things that we all deal with out in Elkwoods. Yeah. It's, I'm looking at my, I'm looking at my stickers now, man. I don't know, dude. I, it's funny because I'll, I'll put on one of my shirts or something um, or my sweatshirt. And sometimes I'm like, man, do I, do I look like a freak wearing my own podcast shirt? But I look at no. it and it's just like, man, I freaking love, you know what I mean? I love it. It's just, yeah, it's just a neat experience, man. It's just a neat experience to man, get you, that. And it's just like, hell yeah. <laughs> man, you, you've got me smiling ear to ear. I just, <laughs> Is it? I'm so, I'm so glad that you're happy with it. Yeah. It's a trip though, because you don't, I don't think you ever realize it or folks don't ever realize it. And at least for me, right. I've never, I've never done that. I've never gone through that process. And then to, and what did it take us? I think I reached out to you. It was like early December and I was freaking you out for probably, you know, a month. Um, <laughs> Cause it was a drop of the dime decision on, on my part to do this, but I wanted everything right. And, you know, looking for that, that perfection. Um, but to see it come to life, dude, is just, and I haven't been able this. So everybody's listening going, damn, this guy's, you know, kissing his ass. I've been wanting to do this for months. Right. And it's just been a, a scheduling thing, yeah. you know, so I've been excited about this episode. So everybody excuse me for going off on it, but yeah, it's just, it's a phenomenal feeling to get that. And, and when I received that, you know, that email and I opened it up, I was just like, heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Looking at it now, I, I'm getting all giddy. Like, uh, like it's the first time I laid eyes on it, just talking to you about it. You know, I haven't got to express that. So it's pretty freaking cool, man. Man, the, the cooler thing about that is what you're building this into. I, I think I have only missed like two episodes. I listen every time you post on my way into work. And I, I mean, I couldn't be more excited and happy for you. I'm so glad that, that you got this thing rolling. I know you're grinding in it. It's work, and I don't think some people realize that, but, man, I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited about what you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Actually, you know, it hasn't started to feel like work yet. I think that's why we're okay. <laughs> but crazy, right? So, <laughs> I mean, when – let's see. So that was early December. You and I started talking. January, I dropped the first one. I think we're – shoot, dude, I think I'm pushing 70 episodes already. And it's kind of crazy to think that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's nuts. It's gone pretty quick, yeah. but it's, it's so much fun, man. It, you know, you hear these stories, um, uh, uh, just average everyday people. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like work, dude, but I, I definitely appreciate your support and you reach out, you know, pretty frequently, man, and tell me about the episodes and stuff, man. So I'm glad it's mutual, right? I'm happy. You're happy. That's, that's a bitching thing, man. But that's the great thing about, like you were saying earlier, you make these relationships and you talk to, you know, all these different people and you end up with these, these friends that you'd never even thought you were going to have, right. It's just a face on social media to a point. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, when you step back and think about what that would have looked like 
five, 10 years ago, even it's just, it's just wild that the people that you can meet and the people that I get to talk to, I mean, almost daily, just all over the country. Um, yeah, really, really neat stuff. It's nuts, dude. I mean, for me, right. I'm a fan before I'm anything, right. Um, <laughs> I, you hear people say hunting industry. I don't, I'm just, you know, a podcast and, uh, you know, you walk up and like, you know, I got Michael Batiste, man. And, you know, we have conversations and it's like Michael freaking Batiste, you know, and talking to Jason Phelps and you meet all these people and it's like, you know, these are, these are the air quote, you know, the big guys, the big names. And it, yeah, you just, the uh, grown ass man awestruck is, uh, is something else, but it's pretty <laughs> freaking cool, dude. It is cool. All I'm doing is listening to the podcast and I'm starstruck. <laughs> but, but what's funny is it, is some of these guys like, okay, so, so one of, one of my favorites, right. And not, you know, down in anybody else is Jimmy Glazer. Right. And Jimmy yeah. is just some dude in Wisconsin. Right. But, but to listen to this guy and his passion talk about, you know, his hunting and bringing his son into it and, you know, hunting with his pops, you start listening to this stuff and you're going, what in the world was I missing? You know, it's just, it's phenomenal, man. I mean, those are the guys that, yeah, that are star strike, you know, I don't even know how to say that star striking star struck in me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm with you. It's a trip. No, I'm man. with you. That's, that's awesome. It is something else, dude. It is just, uh, yeah, we, yeah. I don't mind the tangents, but we just tangent it like a son of a gun there. But yeah, it's something else. Man. It's <laughs> remarkable. Freaking remarkable. And then, yeah. and, and you know, and we always, yeah. I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have seen the amount of positives that could come from social media without me starting this podcast, right? Because it was just like, you know, family, friends posting, you know, whatever you have a few people, um, you get tired of doing it. You get tired of looking at it for, at least for me, you put it down. It's just like, whatever, whatever. But then to actually start making those connections and, and, like-minded people and it just like the world just expands man yeah it's it's crazy it's trips me out on a i don't know daily basis i still get tired of it right trying to keep up with instagram is something else algorithms and trying to build a platform with with trying to figure all that out man that's uh it's time consuming as all heck oh there's there's so much to it and then you throw in that's like just one singular platform then you try to add in any of the others and it's just a whole new ball game. So yeah, it's, there's a lot out there to be had those. So there's a ton of opportunity through it. And, and so it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse sometimes. Yeah, yeah, definitely is. I mean, right. Just like anything you focus on the, I guess you focus on the, the positive and then that's what you're going to see. You focus on the negative and you know, that's, what's going to stand out um, on that negative stuff, man. I just, yeah block delete whatever it is at this point i yeah it's it's a damn fun it's a fun journey man messing with this whole thing yeah nobody has time for that negative stuff we've only got a life to live so um we were talking just before we recorded man and and you had said a couple things so your 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 dad has been ill and i know he was a huge in influence in your art in your outdoors and everything man um and you had said a couple things and I, I wasn't going to bring it up but it what you said hit me as soon as you brought it up um so how's he doing 
um, how's that all going? And yeah, where, where are we at with that? I've been, you know, been praying for him, man. Man, I, I couldn't be more appreciative of that. And, and I, I thank you for, for asking, you know, I'll do my best to keep it together right now. I, I've been a little up and down lately, just trying to keep things in order. But yeah, one of the, one of the reasons I, I moved back to Iowa from Colorado last year is my dad um, has stage four kidney cancer. I think it's considered renal cancer. Um, he's had about, uh, he's had it for about two years now. And I mean, I, I try to put family first as much as I can. So it, it's been a real blessing to be back close to home and, and to be able to help out wherever I can. He's had kind of ups and downs, just as people do that, that go through this battle. And, and you know, the last, the last couple weeks has been pretty tough on him, but this last week he, he was able to go to his retirement party from work and spend some just good quality time and, and pick around in the guitar and, and talk about old stories and, and different things. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's been, I just can't thank him enough for everything that he's done for me ever since I was born and, and what he still continues to do for me. And, and as an artist, as a man, as a person, as an outdoorsman, I just couldn't say enough good things about who my father is and, and who he, who he taught, taught me to be. I, I hope I, I hope I can be just, just an ounce of the, the man he is and the person he is. And, and I hope someday if I get the opportunity to raise kids that I can, I can do it as he did. So, you know, he's, he's having a, a tough battle, but he's doing okay. He's got, he's got high hopes and, and he's got really strong faith. So it's kind of day by day. And at this point, it's just trying to spend quality time. Any, any ounce we can get is, is good time. And just, just enjoy that, that, um, that moment with the family. So, you know, I, I appreciate you asking and, and, you know, it's just a day by day, day by day battle. So you make the most of it. Like you said, that nobody has time for negative. It's, it's just about staying positive and, and taking that time. Does the best he could do, man. Like I said, you know, we'll, uh, been praying for him and we'll continue to do that, man. I just, uh, yeah, had to, sorry to hit you there, but yeah. No, it's, it's all right. It's all right. I appreciate it. So, uh, 2019 season, man, we got, uh, got a trip planned. You're already kind of mapping it out there at home. Um, any hit listers that you are hoping that made it from last year? Oh man. You know, that's this, let's see when I shed hunted this year, a couple of the areas that I've been hunting. So in terms of the whitetail season coming up here in a few months, um, the area that I shed hunt, I actually found one of the best, I would guess him at around three years old. I mean, he's an absolute stud. I think I posted a picture of him on my Instagram. He was a deadhead this year. I don't know what happened. I actually did circles around him for a while just to try to figure out a little bit more. And I found another dead buck that had already shed its antlers that I never found the two antlers to. So we've got, I don't know if it's some, some EHD co-op or, or what exactly is going on. So that was, I mean, that was a tough blow. Um, but really this year I'm kind of in a lot of new territory. So I just put out some mineral in a few spots and got cameras up just to try to get an idea of what's around. Tomorrow, I'm planning to put some more mineral out and a couple more cameras just to see what's in the spot that I just got permission to a few weeks ago. So 
I'm like a kid in a candy store. So I'll put those cameras up and like two hours later, I'll be wondering what's on those cameras. <laughs> so I, I, I love to prep. So, um, whitetail season, you know, I don't have, I'm kind of excited. I don't have a ton of expectation. I want to put in as much work as I can in the next few months, just trying to get an idea of what's around and what I can expect. Um, and then, um, three buddies and I are planning another trip to Idaho. So from mid September, I'll be itching to get back into the mountains and to get my ass kicked on the hill. I'm trying to stay in shape, get back in that mountain mentality because I've been sitting in the tree stand for a year, but, um, I'm, I'm excited to go back out. So we'll be again, We'll be in the better unit as we see it this next year. So I'm excited to be out there for that. Um, again, we've got two elk tags and I believe two muley tags. So we'll be able to kind of break up in pairs as we see. And then last year when hunting was bad, the cutthroat were biting. So, I mean, that was a blast. We went up, I think we had a, let's see, like a 13 mile hike in or something like that last year to a lake and, and did some spectacular fishing on our last day um so yeah this year looking to get something on the ground we got some some good intel last year learning curve really i mean we got our asses kicked but it was still a good time in the mountain a lot of good camaraderie at camp and just a good time so looking forward to that cannot wait to get back to the mountains and just uh hoping to get on some elk Heck yeah man so one of the things, uh, man, we can't we can't talk about that without me getting excited. I can't oh, focus dude, now. You you get me going on elk, and I'm gonna freaking go oh. off, dude. <laughs> so one of the things we didn't oh. we didn't talk about there was uh, how's that gear difference, man? Because so you know you're talking about packing in 13 miles and and getting in the mountains, dude. You're going lightweight now, right? What are you guys in a fanny pack with the uh, <laughs> with the tree stand there? I mean, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I strapped my bow to it. That's a that's a heck of a contrast, right? I mean, for me, I I see it as a, a financial savings. That's a gain. <laughs> oh, it it is, and I didn't like. I was pretty young in terms of like Western hunting. When I first went out to Colorado, my first year was like 100 percent learning curve knew nothing about it i've watched tv shows that didn't really show the true depiction of what it meant to go out mm -hmm. so it was i mean it, it was an amazing challenge just to get out and like try to find elk in an area that i was unfamiliar with so i got on my onyx started scouting maps in terms of so onyx was huge for me i mean that made I know how to read topo really well just based on my background in landscape architecture so that that was actually kind of helpful to just understanding uh drainage ways and where i thought elk might be and just trying to find that north face of, of where i might be finding things um but in terms of gear i mean i have so much yet to build but i'm i mean i'm addicted so the gear will just slowly come even if i didn't need it i have to try it every once in a while you know yeah. it's hard not to yep. uh, the biggest learning curve for me so far in terms of gear, my first year was just how big of difference clothing that you wear is. So things that wick moisture, some of those things that make the biggest difference comfortability. Why? Like if you're not comfortable, then your hunt's going to go south a lot faster than it should. So for me, I was wearing like my, my first year when I went out, 
I figured I could get by with some of my typical gear. And like after day one, when I sweat through all my layers within like 20 minutes and then tried to glass and just froze. Freeze. It, oh my gosh. It, it was rough. So that was a huge learning curve. I think the next day I got online and just like spent hours looking through some of the best gear and just prioritized like, okay, I think if I get these three pieces, that'll help me build. And then I just slowly built upon that. But yeah, that was packs are a whole new thing to me. I've been working this year. I'm planning to get a new packs. I've been doing my research the last couple of months and reaching out to different people, two people you've had on the show too. So, um, yeah, the gear difference is huge, but like it makes such a tremendous difference in how a hunt can go. So it's, it's really good just to try to do your research. I'm, I'm still learning a lot. So let me, let me see if you would have, if you would have talked to the same guys I would have talked to on packs, who did you, who are you thinking that were on? Yeah, I went straight to Rev. On the pack? I went, yeah, I went straight to Rev. Rev and I, we've become friends on, on Instagram. We talked quite a bit. He gave me a bunch of good feedback on packs. And then, um, Let's see who else did I reach out to that's on the show. I think I reached out to two other people on the show. Um, oh my gosh, who was it? I can't think of it off the top of my head. So I, my my two on packs, I would have said Tyler McCluskey and Brady Redrath. Man, um, you want to talk about Brady? I don't know if they're. I, I think Brady might have me beat on the on the gear junkie aspect, man. Um, <laughs> That dude is, I'm going to say he's a little biased brand wise, but I understand why he is um, because it's just top notch stuff. Um, But there's something about the scrutiny and the level of, I don't know what it is that I just trust it. Right. I mean, I, I can't put a can't put a word to it, but yeah, that would have been, that would have been my first two picks right there. I could totally see Rev though on, uh, on your selection there, but yeah, I would have, I would have, uh, I would have said Tyler and, uh, and Brady on them packs, man. I'll, uh, I'll have to, I'll, I'll double check. It might've been one of them that reached out to you, but I'll, I'll certainly reach out after this for sure. So I just wrote their names down. So just be, uh, expecting a random message, fellas. (laughs) You know, and Brady, Brady packs out a lot, man. He, I think he's a great resource for that stuff. Uh, gear junkie, like no other. He just picked up that uh, that Kafaru teepee with that stove and everything, and uh, has been. What are we in uh, June? <laughs> He's already in the backyard. Yeah, I know. I firing, firing up that stove, man, in that thing. So yeah, he's on it. <coughs> cool. See, man. Me, I'm, I'm crazy. I just I'm late, but I just got rid of my old bow, and I'm, I'm getting a new bow here in the next two weeks probably so i'm getting ready to ramp up real fast oh yeah you're gonna have to put that what are you uh what are you getting my plan right now i'm kind of debating between two and i have always been i've shot um i believe three different brands of bow my last bow was a matthews reason and i had it for years now and i just came to a point like okay I've got to get something new. I want a little bit longer range. Everything's changed quite a bit in like the last how many years. Um, so right now, I'm either going to get a year old Triax or I'll jump to a Verdict 
here soon. Nice. So I've always just been comfortable with Matthews. Um, just felt good in my hand, smooth draw. It's, it's what I like. So that's just kind of what I'm sticking with. Heck yeah. That's the, that's what's important, man. You know, and that's actually until last year, that's all I had ever shot. And, uh, what do you the, shoot now? Uh, the prime. I have, uh, the synergy and the nice. CT five. Um, and, and nice. one of the, the reasons that I switched wasn't anything to do with Matthews. It's just the bow shop that I've always go gone to. Um, they weren't carrying them anymore. I picked that prime up and just mm -hmm. kind of fell in love with it. No, they're, they're strong. I shot a couple. I haven't shot those. I think I shot a couple primes two or three years ago. And they, I mean, really strong, bro. There are so many oh uh, my God. competitors in the market now. Oh, so it's, it's pretty neat to just see how good some of the tech is. I don't know that you could really go wrong, right? I mean, especially when you start talking, you know, those, you know, top four or five companies. Um, is there really a bad decision? <laughs> And so much of it to me personally is just mindset. So like if I'm confident in that bow, that just gives me so much more confidence. Like mentally, whatever it is that I need to feel good about that shot placement, I, I'm satisfied with. That's like when, when I made the switch, you know, I was, I was actually kicking myself in the butt for, I'm going to say at least a couple months, you know, going from the Matthews, um, it has that, that fatter grip, right? Typically they have the wood grip on them. Uh, and then going into the prime where it's just the riser. Yeah. One wouldn't assume that, that, that would make that much difference, dude. I could not get it together. I think it was probably a good two months of frustration going, what in the world is going, how come I cannot get this dialed in? Um, I, I couldn't, I just didn't feel comfortable about it. I even got to the point where it's like, okay, a buddy of mine, he puts a, uh, uh, like tennis racket or racquetball racket tape yeah. on his. And I thought about doing mm -hmm. that just to build it up. Um, but then I started going, well, what if that starts to come off in the field? It gets super wet or something and I got to pull it off. And then, you know, there goes my shot while I'm in the field. So I, it was, it was rough, man. It was a rough transition. Um, did you try that at all? No, I did. I ended up not doing it. Great idea. Okay. I, I felt like, okay, is it going to, you know, I was worried about it slipping, you know, your hands are wet like that. You're on that riser, but I hadn't had any issues. I just laid down my, I think part of it was it lasted so long because you know how you get that little bit of frustration um, and it just takes hold. And for me, when I leave the range, if I leave the range and I leave on a bad note, when I come back, unfortunately, for whatever reason, that, that, you know, whole short memory thing doesn't happen. It's the first, oh damn, when I was here last time I was sucking, you know, um, and it was like, I didn't want anything to go wrong in the field. So I was like, I'm not going to use the racket tape. I'm going to just deal with this and just, you know, talk myself out of my frustration. Yeah, that's it's a whole, it's just kind of a, a mindset. That's it. That is it. But they're, I mean, they're, like I said, they're great bows. I, I enjoy shooting the heck out of them. I know, uh, like I said, I, I don't think you could go wrong, right? I mean, even if you don't even look at the top manufacturers or if you look at their lower end bows, it's it's string time, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's, you know, it's string time. How confident are you in your shot? Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it, I mean, for me, it's reps. Like if I, if I just get my reps, and I love to shoot, it clears my mind. It's another activity to be outdoors, and that's 
anything I do outdoors, I just feel like I reset and I get back to normal and I just feel good. So to me, just being out and getting shots up makes me more confident in the shot. And when, when the time comes, hopefully I can, I can make a good, quick, clean kill. Mm-hmm. So are you, are you people, I know a, a lot of tree stand guys um, run peepless. Are you running peepless or you run peep on your bow? I run peep on my bow. Oh, okay. Okay. But that's, that's just, that's just, uh, just comfort really. I don't know. I, I kind of always have, so I haven't really switched. I'm sure. I don't know. I have to try it different sometime, but. Yeah. Michael, uh, Batiste, um, is one of the only guys that I know that <laughs> is willing to make that switch. He went, he pulled his peep off and he said, man, it's just totally freeing. When I was in Wyoming last year, I met a guy and, uh, He's never shot with a peep, which I w- I've thought was remarkable. Wow. And yeah, never. And I'm like, wow. You know, but he said, you know, I'm a I'm a 40 to 40 yard, 45 yard, excuse me, max guy um, for what mm-hmm. I hunt. Because he's, you know, he's back your way um, hunting tree stands, hunting yeah. blinds. But, yeah, that's something uh, I'm curious about. I don't know. I, I'll probably never do it. I'm not giving bullshit. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, I. I'm like trying to envision myself doing that. And I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm a, you know, I'm confident in my own abilities, but I'm certainly no pro archer. So I think I'll stick with my peep for now. Yeah. I like, I mean, I just running that through my head. I can't, I guess if your anchor and everything is the same, but I, I just can't, it doesn't make sense to me, I guess is what it is. Maybe I guess you got to do it. I I mean, I guess. Yeah. And if you set up your, like, if you, if you anchor perfectly like you should every single time, point, like is correct in, in most people's mindset, then, then your anchor, you don't need that extra kind of point to direct you where I probably rely a little bit too much on kind of that second point of like, this is where I need to be to feel comfortable. I don't know. It, it would be a, it would be kind of a neat transition to try to switch but it would be frustrating yeah, at the same be, time that'd be something else man trying to figure it out and for me like my you know my process is i is i focus on three anchor points right so i got i got where my knuckle you know hits the basically the crease of my mm-hmm. jaw my nose and then the corner mm-hmm. of my mouth if i don't feel that every shot something's wrong you know so it yeah it uh yeah that it would be interesting i don't know that i would attempt it <laughs> but yeah, that's a yeah. interesting thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, cool, man. You got anything on closing, anything you want to touch on? Um, where can folks find you? Things of that nature before we wrap it up. Yeah. You know, I, again, I just appreciate you having me on. It's humbling to be on to talk to you about some of the things that I'm passionate about and you're passionate about. So, um, I really love what you're doing. So it's pretty exciting to me to be able to listen in every day and just see what new uh, insights I can gain. I I just, I think for me, I get so much inspiration from other people's stories and just understanding their values and, and where they've come from and how they've grown in the outdoors. So I love listening to those different stories, just trying to understand and, and kind of take bits and pieces of that and work it into my own value system and ethics in the outdoors. So um, I just appreciate the platform that you're, you're bringing to it that I can gladly take value from. So hopefully I added some sort of valuable insight, but yeah, I appreciate you having me on. Um, 
People can find me probably best on the Instagram platform at Colt McDermott Studios. Um, I just started a Facebook page and I'm going to work on a couple others, but I really haven't got those up and running to a point where you can find them very easily yet. So that's kind of in the works. Um, I don't know what else in closing. Really just uh, reach out if you have any questions or, uh, excuse me, or if there's anything else that I can, I can help you out with. And please feel free to reach out, message me. My phone number is on the page. Hit me with a text. Give me a quick call. Uh, I'm open to talk and, and love to talk to people about the outdoors and, and illustration artwork. So feel free to reach out. Perfect, man. Again, dude, this has been a long time coming in, in from where I sit. I appreciate the heck of you, you know, taking care of the logo, um, jumping on with me, man. And uh, yeah, look forward to future work and friendship with you, man. I appreciate you. And like I said, best, you know, yeah. best wishes for your father, man. And we'll, you know, we'll keep praying for him. Man, I, I thank you so much for that. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. You can catch up with Colt on Instagram at Colt McDermott Studios. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.